There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And I'm having wine. Wine? Yeah. Don't be so whiny. I'm having wine. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, Beckman Vineyard's Cuvée Lebec 2015. Cuvée Lebec. Cuvée Lebec. And As I say, that, after I've why, had some wine. Is there some kind of sentimental reason for this wine? Is it a special yeah, occasion? No, there's, or? A, there's a great story behind this wine. It was on the counter and open. Oh. That's <laughs> so, a good, as good of a reason as any. I think Eileen bought this uh, when she was buying presents for her staff because she's one of those director level people. So she has to buy presents for her employees. Nice, nice. Um, we had our company holiday party tonight, so I am a couple of fancy cocktails in at this point. So your drinks are in you. They did, yes. They did They did a whole fancy thing. They hired bartenders. Ooh. Yeah, it was nice. Um, we're part, my company, uh, I, I am I supposed to disclose this? I don't know, whatever. Growbot, uh, the company I work for, yeah. full-time, whatever. I don't think it matters on this show. Nobody but, yeah. matters. Nobody cares. Um, we work, f- we're a part of a, an AI studio called All Turtles, and so we are in a studio space, and so All Turtles, like, planned the whole party. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so we had, like, you know, Christmas music, holiday music, and, and bartenders, and so I drank something called the Yankee. The which, Yankee. Yes, which was weirdly a bourbon-based cocktail. Well, that seems odd. Yeah. And, somehow. I know. And a um and the Agricole, which was mm-hmm. a rum-based cocktail that had like lime mm. juice and and ginger and some other good stuff. Yeah, mint. It's very tropical. It wasn't it didn't feel tropical. It wasn't no, like really? a tropical vibe. It was like rum, but it wasn't tropical. Well, I guess the like... ginger makes it more seasonal, makes yeah. it more holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. So I'm a little, I'm not going to say I'm a little slurry, but like I'm, li- I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. We're like, you're I stopped slurry. at a good point. I'm like, you can still pronounce slurry. So you're okay. I'm on top of this. I'm <laughs> on top of this. Hey, you know what else we're on top of? What's that? This Patreon stuff. Oh yeah. Remember all that stuff we talked about last week? You mm-hmm. can forget it. They decided not to do that. It's over now. Nothing's changing. There's nothing to see here. These are not the fee changes you're looking for. Please move along. Well, something's changed because we did change our reward levels. I know, but we'll just leave that. I like it. I like how we changed it. Yeah. Cheaper rewards for everybody. Huzzah! Happy holidays. Let's jump into the quick burns. So, uh, Trike pointed out that uh, Disney purchased most of 20th Century Fox. Trike, not very excited about this. Uh, But Disney... uh, has agreed to acquire this is going to take 12 to 18 months so they don't get it tomorrow Mm -hmm. yeah they don't get it today they probably don't even get it till the end of 2018 maybe 2019 but anyway what they're going to do if it gets approved uh is get everything 20th century fox has right now with the following exception 
So they don't get the Fox Broadcast Network or any of the broadcast stations. They don't get Fox Sports National, which is like FS1 and FS2 and the Big Ten Network. And they don't get Fox News or Fox Business. Uh, all of that stays in a new spin-out company called Fox uh, that will just do the TV stuff. Okay. But FX Network, uh, National Geographic, all the cable networks, all the production studios, the movie studio particularly, all of that goes into Disney. And in fact, Fox has a a 30% stake in Hulu. So Disney will own a 60% stake in Hulu after this is all done. Unless unless the regulatory agencies put conditions on that, which they might. Um, So yeah, uh, we are going to see the the upshot of this for us. Like, forget business, forget technology. Uh, If this were to go through... That would mean the Marvel properties that Fox had the rights to make movies about, like Fantastic Four uh, and hmm. uh, X-Men, go back under Disney. And so they would all live in the same happy universe. Whoa, 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 whoa. So does that mean we're going to get X-Men Avengers crossovers in the future? If this acquisition is approved, it could mean that, yes. Wow. That's a big deal. Deadpool could be in the Avengers. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Also, uh, Fox owned the distribution rights for Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4. So there was always this weird thing where Star Wars A New Hope was not part of Disney Movies Anywhere. But now Fox was part of Movies Anywhere, so it didn't really matter. But anyway, what little weirdness there was about that is gone, would be gone as well. This really complicates the fact that I spent an hour yesterday at lunch explaining the Marvel Cinematic Universe versus all the other Marvel properties <laughs> and right. everything to my coworkers for like a really long time. And uh-huh. now I have to figure this stuff out because I, I was pretty clear on where everything stood and now I'm less so. Well, I mean, Sony's playing nice, so Spider-Man gets right. to be an Avengers. So I this did explain actually, that. I did explain that. This will that. actually simplify things for you because if this – Again, 12 to 18 months. But if this gets approved, everybody's pretty much together. Is that it'll just, that is be, right, right? It'll be Spider-Man under Sony. And Sony has a few other properties that they haven't made into movies that I guess they could. Um, but then everybody else under Disney. And did Fox, 20th Century Fox, need to get get? Like, did it need, was it in trouble? Well, I would definitely direct you to Daily Tech News Show or Cord Killers if you really want to dig into that issue. But... Uh, the short version is the movie studio particularly uh, didn't think it could compete with Netflix and Amazon anymore as an independent. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's it's the rise of those studios and, and throwing money at movies now and television shows, which they've been doing for a while, that's sort of causing that consolidation. But don't forget, Sony makes movies, Paramount. Uh, which is part of Viacom makes movies. CBS, which is part of CBS, has CBS movies, CBS film. Uh, so there's there's still other major studios, not to mention Lionsgate and all of the the smaller independents as well. Well, speaking of movies, uh, apparently, well, kind of tangentially speaking of movies, uh, Ernie Klein, Ernest Klein, is writing a sequel to Ready Player One, as Dara says, or, or Dara, shoot, Dara Dara says, gotta milk that cash cow, I suppose. Ooh. But yeah, so this is, uh, I, I think we kind of knew this was going to come eventually. No no confirmation yet on whether this will be named Ready Player Two or not, though that I is mean, the, the going theory. It really should, right? I mean, what would, how, what else would he name it, right? Yeah. 
Like that would be crazy, crazy (laughs) if you didn't name it that. Um, Uh, Also, kind of hard if I I won't explain, but if you've read the book, kind of hard to understand what a sequel would be made of. Um, It would it would it'll be interesting to see that Uh, she Dara says milk that cash cow, which is certainly one reason, especially with the movie out uh, coming out. He also might have just had an idea for a sequel for a long time and is finally getting around to write it. I mean, that's perfectly possible as well. Yeah, I mean, the book, the original book has been out for a while now. Yeah. Um, and it, it was it would be no surprise to me, even without the movie deal, to to want to progress on that because it was a very popular book yeah. um, and did very well. Uh, but, you know, I I have been very surprised. I, I think I kind of glossed over this whole controversy or this whole conversation when the book came out initially, because I think we read it a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But people are really polarized on this book. And maybe I feel like you've probably talked about this more, maybe on Cord Killers or with Brian mm-hmm. in the past. Um, but people really either love it or hate it. And I don't think that really hit me until the the movie trailers started coming out and people started really talking about the 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 writing in the book and and the trailer and everything kind of surrounding that. I loved I loved the audiobook uh and the book itself. So I I don't really relate to this conversation as much, but man, it's it's surprisingly polarizing. Like I I've seen a lot of people whose opinions I really respect and trust on Twitter talking a lot of smack about Ready Player One. And I guess I kind of understand it. It really does kind of play to some of our, you know, nostalgia in a big mm-hmm. way. But that's what I liked about it. I thought it was kind of funny uh, because yeah. of that. And it made me it made me have good, warm feelings about the stuff I loved in my childhood um, while also thinking about what that could be like if I was in that kind of oasis style world where I was living amongst that. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about this whole weird, weird conversation controversy? Have you been aware of that? No, I haven't. Really? Um- no, because everything is a controversy. That's you go true. online and That's you say, true. I like lemonade. And someone tells you how you're a rotten person and lemon groves are killing the planet and you're irresponsible. <laughs> like there's just nothing you can say without a a rising army of people who hate that thing that you like. Or if you hate something like the thing and, and everyone true. goes to war over everything. I think what you said that makes me stand up and take notice is. It's not just the general hate for everything, but people who you're like, oh, I usually agree with that person. Well, that's interesting. That's when I start to take notice is when I see people that I normally, maybe I don't always agree with them, but I respect what they say. And then they say something surprising like that. I'm like, okay, well, that now it's worth listening to because it's not just the background noise. Yeah, I think it was uh, specifically Mike Isaac, uh, who's a mm-hmm. writer for the New York Times, was criticizing the actual writing of the book. And I was like, okay, all right, all right, what, okay. And that, it kind of annoyed me, but... I think it's legitimate for some people to say, I didn't like the avalanche of cultural references. It was too much for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it is an avalanche of cultural I mean, references. That's, yeah, that's basically I the book. I loved it. I swam in it. I was like, this is great. Give me more. It's popcorn from my brain. Love it. Totally. Uh, Louis wrote that Netflix's The Witcher series has found its showrunner and executive producer. I remember this is Witcher TV series based on the book, not based on the game. Uh, Lauren Schmidt Hisrick, previously who wrote and executive produced Netflix's Daredevil and The Defenders and Star's Power, is going to be the showrunner for The Witcher. I am stoked. I am stoked. I am so stoked for this. I am really excited. I'm really yeah. excited. I didn't love 
you know, actually, never mind. I haven't seen any of these shows. I haven't, seen, haven't seen Daredevil. Daredevil? I oh, really, wow. I'm. It's on my list of things to watch for sure. Uh, the Defenders, I haven't gotten around to yet. I, yeah. I expect I've heard mixed things, and I haven't even heard of Stars's Power. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know much about her work, but I am just thrilled. I, I love The Witcher, and I'm excited about it. So I bring bring it on, bring it on. I want to see how yeah. it goes. Uh, I want to I want to do this next one too. Nokomis. Sure. Uh, wrote out the most listened to titles on Audible in 2017. Uh, Audible released these, but he he wrote them all out because he wanted to point out that. Uh, Number one is The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson, narrated mm-hmm. by Roger Wayne. But then these are currently in 2017, the most listened to titles on Audible. Harry Potter, The Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. By, uh, narrated by Jim Dale. Game of Thrones, narrated by Roy Detrice. Game of Thrones, like the book, the first book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Then Ready Player One by Ernie Klein. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, by Jim Day or narrated by Jim Dale. I'm giving the narrators, not the authors. It narrated by Stephen Weber. Uh, then How to Win Friends and Influence People <laughs> narrated by Andrew McMillan. Uh, and the rounding out the top ten: Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I wonder if a lot of this is either not necessarily first time reads, but like people who just wanted something to listen to. I, yeah. I, I wonder what the what well, the data is there. Harry Potter comes to Audible and suddenly everybody's like snapping it up. Uh, is that, even is that a recent could, thing? Do you know about yeah, that? Yeah. You could get it through Pottermore mm, before. Okay. Um, but I think the fact that it launched on Audible made a big difference. I mean, even I, as someone who have who have read all the books, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe re-listening to them, you know, yeah. like 15 years later. Like, sure. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, in, if you, in our Quick Burns thread, people were saying in the UK – where it's Harry Potter, the Philosopher's Stone, it's read <laughs> by Stephen Fry. And I'm like, well, I mean, no offense to Jim Dale. I mean, I'm sure he's great. I want to hear Stephen Fry. I totally I would listen to that. <laughs> totally. Totally. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's that's cool, though. Uh, I have I also own the subtle art of not giving a, an F. Um, mm. Haven't listened to it yet, but it's on my list. Nice. I'm one of the many. Trike says Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, uh, says he'd play Gandalf for Amazon's show if asked. He said Gandalf is 7,000 years old, so I'm not too old, he says, <laughs> and has a point, Trike says. So true, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you, I mean, that's hard, right? If you're Amazon and you're making this show and you're like, this could go on for 10 years and, you know, we don't want to say mm-hmm. anything morbid. But maybe a younger actor would be a safer choice. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see what a young Gandalf who would ca- who would be cast as a young Gandalf. Yeah, if you don't do, uh, I mean, put it this way: despite what I just said, which is perfectly reasonable, I want to see Ian McKellen do it again. He was amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but and he is and up Gandalf there. is old already, right? It's not like he's going to look young because the the character itself is hundreds and hundreds, right? He's seven thousand years old. Um, but who would you get now? I don't know. I, I immediately I jumped to Ewan McGregor. I don't know why. Mm, that's that's not my, a bad choice. That's where my brain went. But I think that was a Star Wars thing. Like yeah. I went to young Obi-Wan. Right. I think I just went to like, who's good at young versions of Ewan McGregor? Um, I mean, not necessarily amazing, but he was right. pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, maybe. Um, ooh. Ooh. What's his face? What's his yeah. face? Oh, you he's know. so good in that what's, one movie. What's all? Can I can I diverge for a second and just tell you about a dream I had? Is this weird? 
Yeah, this is weird. Do it's it. going to get weird. Okay. <laughs> I totally had a dream that I was Kylo Ren's girlfriend. Really? Yes. Is, but he was. I almost made a comment that's not really spoilery, but I know some people don't want to hear anything. So I won't say okay, anything. Okay, no spoilers. All right. So, I think there's a scene that may have caused that. Anyway, carry on. Well, what ha- I think what happened is that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. So in the dream. I wasn't dating Kylo Ren. I was dating Adam Driver, but we were both had oh. been in Star Wars. Yeah, but we well, were returning to college uh-huh. after Star Wars. Okay. So we were both in college and we had both been in the movie, but I wasn't a main character or anything. In in fact, in the dream, I never knew what character I played. I only knew You're that I'd been in the production. Or yeah. Something. yeah, yeah. And um and it was like really, really specific. And it was so funny. But it was like that whole like, oh, we dated on the set, but are we still boyfriend and girlfriend now that we're back in college? I don't know. <laughs> what a girl's <laughs> The Last Jedi crossover dream. <laughs> and I woke up and I was like, oh, oh. And then we were about to like, we were like hugging. And he, mm-hmm. he goes, <laughs> he told me my breath smelled bad. Aw. And then I woke up because I was so mortified. He has turned to the dark side. Yeah, what a jerk, right? And I was like, (laughs) I just have a sinus problem. I'm sorry. I can't help it. God. I can't help it. Anyway, I don't have stinky breath. Um, That was just in my dream. Not as far as anyone knows. Yeah. But Uh, yeah, so there, that happened. Um, So yeah, Ewan McGregor. But I was thinking of um, 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 the guy from Thor, but not Chris Hemsworth, the other guy that plays his brother. What's his face? Liam Hensworth? Nope. Not his real life brother. Oh, uh, Hiddleston. Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. 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 Yeah. Hiddleston. 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 Uh-oh. Should I do the next one then? Sure. David uh, says, for fans of the Sword and Laser pick The Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter, they've revealed the cover for the sequel, European Travel for the Monstrous Gentlewoman. Ooh, and it's it's very pretty as well. Yeah. That's awesome. It's uh, it's it along. It's in the same style as Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter. Uh, but I love the title. It's yeah. A, and then uh, we are doing Frankenstein in January. We told you that on the last episode. And Mark wrote that the Frankenstein Chronicles television show is coming to Netflix. It's a reimagining of Mary Shelley's classic novel set in the 1830s in London. Sean Bean stars as Inspector John Marlett, Uh-oh. a detective investigating the case of eight missing children whose body parts are discovered sewn into a single corpse. Oh, God. That's Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, I should say. The first season premiered in 2015 on ITV in London, and the second season just wrapped its run earlier this month. Wait, so spoiler alert. In in the book, is it children's bodies? I don't think so. I didn't think I, so. I think they changed that for this, yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I We'll find out. We'll find in out. January. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And there was a great thread uh, that was over on Goodreads about killing your protagonists and whether or not this is overrated. Uh, Dara says, Dara, Dara, says over on the Once and Future podcast, uh, Django Rexler argues that killing your protagonist is overrated. He goes on to say that engaging your readers with tension and keeping their suspension of disbelief helps create a good story. Uh, This is a good piece to read for anyone doing NaNoWriMo. Also, there are spoilers for A Game of Thrones, uh, the (laughs) book and first season of the show, just so you know. Not 
in this what we're talking about now, but over but if you were on what they were talking to, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on authors killing their protagonists? Personally, it's become such a common occurrence that I find it more of a crutch rather than good storytelling, especially on TV. I'm looking at you, popular AMC zombie <laughs> show. Please use spoiler tags of discussing specific plot points and any examples. And I, I thought this was really interesting because, uh, like Milani, for example, says, I agree with him. Uh, she agrees with Jenko. And he didn't criticize Game of Thrones for the spoilery thing. In fact, he pointed out how that spoilery thing is important to the narrative. Um, I really like this point he made at the end. Thus, it's not that one should never kill off major characters. There are many good reasons to do so if it fits the plot, theme, and tone of the story. But just doing so to establish grit, the idea that, quote, anyone can die in order to get the readers nervous is not a good enough reason. If you get critiques along those lines, rather than dealing out death, probe a little deeper and try to find out where the readers lost faith in your narrative. She goes on to say, when killing your characters is a natural extension of the plot or narrative, uh, then saving them can feel false. But if you're killing characters simply to create tension, then you've lost your audience already. I mean, I I think what what's being said here is write your story because it's a compelling story uh, that makes sense. And again, uh, what it, what he said it so well engages your readers with tension and keeps their suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gimmicks aren't the way to do that. And and killing a main character used to be a gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. The, it was so unexpected. The, the fatal mistake of some authors when they begin writing is they love their characters so much they don't want anything bad to happen to them right uh and even if they start to be like okay well i'll have some bad things happen to them they certainly don't want to kill them and so we got used as a culture to main characters not really being in danger and so when someone came along and wrote a compelling story that put main characters in danger or outright killed them and surprised us we were shocked and we're like wow that was such a good story because it took a twist well now lots of people have used that some have used it well like george R. R. martin some have not and and so I think what Wexler is pointing out, I think, is is perfect, which is don't just kill a main character because you want to shake up your writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in your first draft, do that because your first draft, all bets are off. Uh, but in the end, make sure that if you're doing it, you're doing it for a reason, that it causes tension, that it serves the story, that it drives the plot forward. Don't just do it because you're like, oh, this this will make people like my story because it won't. If it's <laughs> no. not supposed to happen, it won't. And I, I, I learned something new, which is, uh, according to Brendan, he said from Wikipedia, in fiction, a false protagonist is a literary technique often used to make the plot more jarring or more memorable by fooling the audience's preconceptions that constructs a character who the audience assumes is the protagonist, but is later revealed not to be. Yeah. And George R. R. Martin has made very good use of that. In multiple very, ways, actually. very good use, for mm-hmm. sure. Um <laughs> uh, Trike later goes on to argue that the statute of limitations on Game of Thrones spoilers is now long over or dead. Mm. Um, but we will continue to maintain that veil of secrecy for those who haven't yet immersed ourselves in the world of Westeros. You know, I um, if if we really needed to mention it, uh, I would. I think I think Trike's right that you know it's not the most horrible thing. Uh, to spill the beans on that at this point, well, because there's at least has been two. There. There's at least two yeah, primary characters. Three. I wouldn't three. gratuitously do it. Is what what I'm trying to say is like, yeah. 
if we really needed to say it, I would say, okay, if you really don't want to know, back off. I don't think we need to say it to make our points right now. So why spoil it for somebody who hasn't seen it? And that brings me to my side story, which is Citizen Kane, Mm -hmm. 1941 movie. Scott Johnson and I are watching it for the Current Geek Film Festival this Friday. Yeah. Scott's never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him, I was like, do you know what Rosebud is or who Rosebud is? Uh, and, and, you know, the movie starts minor spoiler. The first scene is Charles Foster Kane saying the word Rosebud is his dying words. And the whole movie is people investigating. What did he mean by that? Uh, and Scott's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it means. Uh, and I'm like, that's amazing. That's a 76 year old story that you haven't been spoiled on. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I was amazed that I got to see the most recent Star Wars without being spoiled. Without being spoiled. I did just and a couple was like of a, days, A couple right? days yeah. afterwards. And I was like really impressed that somehow I made it through the internet without having and, The Last Jedi spoiled for me. And I didn't want Scott to get spoiled on it. Even though, I mean, the statute of limitations on spoiling Citizen Kane expired a long time ago. Oh, yeah. But the, in some ways, the statute of limitations isn't the, isn't the thing. It's... Do you want to ruin the experience of the person you're talking to? No, I don't. I yeah. never do. I almost never do. Anyway, um, we're going to spoil some stuff for California Bones, though, here yes. in the Book of the Month discussion. So if you have not finished that particular Warning! book, get out, get out, get, get out of here, get out. Um, but we do you want to should we talk about the the kickoff book or the the, the book? So we're, we're doing Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, we're not for, kicking for that off. January, we're not kicking yeah. that off. Um, but go download it or or order it or or get it from your library because we're going to start mm-hmm. it in January. Don't see the movie. We're celebrating like the fact that it's been 200 years since this book came out. So read the book this time. Read the book. Who who watched the who watches the movie? I don't think people do that, but I just as you were saying that, sometimes I jokingly like or see the movie and uh, I'm like don't see the movie. Not in this case. Not this yeah. particular case. I'm excited to read the book, actually. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I've read it before, but I don't think I have not. It was this century. <laughs> <laughs> clever, clever, Tom. Uh, so we have finished California Bones by Greg Van Eekout. I said it right. You did. Nice, Belmont. Nice. Score one for Belmont. Nailed it. Um, I, I loved the series. I finished the series. I absolutely adored it. I will not, I I will do my damnedest to not spoil the next two books in the trilogy. Um, but I really, I, I, and I think the first book was honestly my favorite. Um, so I think that's, it, it was just a lot of fun and it had really great characters and I, I fell in love with most of them. And I, but what I really fell in love with was the, the magic system and with the world building and the idea of what a California, and maybe it's because I live here, and maybe it's because I spend so much time in LA, I don't know. Uh, maybe those of you who don't live in this part of the world maybe didn't feel that same connection, probably, I would imagine. Um, but for me, it felt very special and very interesting, and I was I was constantly trying to find connections to the California that I know and love, and so that was, for me, that was a huge part of it. But I think even if you didn't live here, it's, it's a fascinating magic system and something that I haven't experienced before in any 
any other, you know, fiction work. Um, and I just thought the characters were very well developed and it was sad and it was really cool and it was a lot of fun and it had a lot of heart to it. So I, I, and I was shocked that there was not a lot of conversation about this book on the forums. And I don't know if that was a, you know, it's the holiday season or if people are gone or if it didn't resonate with this many people. But I was surprised with kind of the lack of conversation. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just a California thing. I have no idea. I don't know either. I think because of Hollywood, California permeates the world consciousness and certainly the national consciousness more than some other locations. So mm-hmm. even if you're not from here, you I mean, you know, Disney, you know, who that yeah, is. yeah, you probably recognize the name Mulholland, even mm-hmm. if it's just from Mulholland Drive, the David Lynch movie or something like that. Uh, but it's it's an iconic location, you know, and the Getty uh, the 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 uh, the, the uh, observatory from the Rebel Griffith, Without a Cause, the Griffith Observatory, the Griffith yeah. Observatory. So there are places where you're like, oh, okay, I kind of know what they're talking about there. And then there are other places where you're like, I don't know what Tito's Tacos is, but I know what tacos are, so that makes sense to me. Um, Spoiler alert: it- Tito's Tacos are awesome. Yeah, that's that is for sure. But even if you don't know that, that's not going to leave you out of the book. I, I I didn't feel like even as as gleeful as I was that my own freaking neighborhood was in here. And like, you know, it was Mm -hmm. not just Los Angeles, but it was my side of Los Angeles. Uh, I also never felt like, wow, this is way deep. You know, I don't think anybody else will get this. It was always subtle little asides that didn't get in the way of the story, but made made it fun for me. Maybe that made it, made me like it more. It certainly did. But I, I think the magic system was so compelling that you, there's, it's plenty accessible to people no matter where they're from. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was actually really heartbreaking for me too to learn that part of Daniel's power was this ability to make people love him. Mhm. And that's that was something a great device. Yeah, and that that's something that comes out later in the book where you're like, wow, like we had this band of people who seemed so close and who loved each other so much and who worked so well together, you know. And you love him too. Yeah, and you love Daniel. And and there's Moth and Cassandra and Joe and even Emma. And you're like, wow, this is a great team. And then you come to find out that that because Daniel has, I can't remember which mythical creature it was at this point, but there was something in his makeup, some some magical magical creature coursing through his his veins through his bones that that made people want to love him and protect him and take care of him and but even moth after he finds that out is like yeah but we we would do this anyway but you can't really believe that because of course you you would say that you could choose to believe it if it makes you feel better but do you really know i mean moth seems to think like no it's not just that i can tell you know and maybe maybe he's right i don't know uh, but, but what it does to Daniel, Yeah, because suddenly he will no longer trust anyone to love him. Well, he knows enough. I mean, I mean, it he, ended he, his relationship with Cassandra. Right. And, and now it's not only ended that late relationship, it's ended every relationship for him in the future. When, you know, like in his mind, he's like, well, no one will ever really love me because it'll all be because of the magic. Mm hmm. And That's just got to be crushing. It's at funny that because moment. I, I feel like that has an effect later in the books mm. too, and mm-hmm. but they don't really talk about it again yeah. much. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to know if it had a as strong of a a 
storyline later that just wasn't mentioned or if it was just a, a vein running through. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was, that kind of broke my heart a little bit. That was pretty sad. Um, and his relationship with, oh gosh, I really have to be careful to not get into yeah, the later keep books. Your, keep I'm your sorry. Lines clear. I haven't, I haven't read number two or three. I know they're really good. You should, you should read them. And I don't think it's spoilery because it's part of the book jacket. But in book three, we do get some time in San Francisco. Oh, nice. And that's pretty cool. You, you do get to see of, some part of the Northern Kingdom. That's sort of indicated, even in book one, you get a mm-hmm. glimpse of the Northern Kingdom through flashbacks. So it's sort of indicated like, oh, I bet we're going to spend more time there because that's that's a fertile ground to explore. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty cool getting to see that aspect and, and getting to feel like, oh, you're in my on my turf now. OK, right, and things right. are a little bit different, like things work differently up here, yeah. which makes sense because we hate Southern California Bones and Southern California doesn't care about us. <laughs> That's <laughs> so how <true>. that works. <laughs> Um, yeah, bones, bones are expensive. Um, mm. but I want to know, I just want to know more about the, the war with America and the, the, the dealings with, with China and Japan and all the other foreign nations who are also dealing in magic and South America and Central America and Mexico and that relationship. And there's so much going on there. And yeah, it, for me, that was like the idea of the rest of the world and, was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, and and maybe maybe that's why there wasn't as much discussion because maybe people are like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Not much to <laughs> say about that. I, right. I don't have any bones to pick with oh, California bones. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I think there was, you know, there was a little discussion about the environmental factors, which we, mm-hmm. we covered on the last episode. Um, with people being a little like squicked out by some of the stuff that happened in the beginning. But I think we tried to, to allay your fears on that, that it's not really, I would say typical of the rest of the book. Um, I was particularly fascinated by Emma's storyline and the idea of the, the golems and uh, that whole industry around basically creating clones of, of a person and then a resistance of clones rising up and being like, this isn't right. We're going to save all the Emmas. And yeah. that kind of, that kind of, you know, that gets expanded a lot more in the later books as well, which is, is pretty cool. I have theories about that, that I'm not going to say, because I don't even want to read it in your expression if I'm right. Okay. So I'm just well, don't keep look at myself, me. Just say but... it, say it. I'm covering the camera. No, 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 no. I really what are can't. Your theory? I want to know your theory. No, I know you do because you want to know if I'm I, wrong. Well, they won't know. I won't. I won't say anything. It's not even. I, I've now I've over, oversold it, but I, <laughs> I just I, I I wonder about Daniel and the fake Daniel. That's all. I've got I've got questions and ideas about that. That's a, that's okay. all I'm going to say. That's totally totally relevant. Mm-hmm. That's it's an understandable feeling that you have. Got it. Um, you should read the next books. I know. I really just need to read the next books. <laughs> um, we Greg said he would come on the show, so we should schedule something in, in yeah. the new year. I'm um, sorry that we didn't get our act together to make it happen for this episode. Uh, yeah, which holidays. Been great. Holidays are but a nightmare. Who knew? Who knew if he was available? But uh, but yes, we will make that happen. Absolutely. Um, so that that kind of wraps it up. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on for 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 the book? No, um, just uh, very excited that we're going to do Frankenstein. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in February is um, Wrinkle in Time. 
And then in March, we don't have a book picked, but it will be March Madness to mm-hmm. pick the April book. So we'll mm-hmm. have to pick a March book still, but we'll worry about right, that later. Right, right. Um, I'm just excited that we have like books that we know that we're reading in the future so I can start downloading them and, and read them all this week on the train. Oh, stop. No, so you're I can get so finish them all. It's crazy. <laughs> You'll forget I, them by the time we discuss them, though, if you do that. That is, I mean, I didn't forget California Bones, did I? No, I left an impression. Yeah, we're reading. Um, so for sword and laserites out there who want other stuff, maybe to read during the holidays, if you finish Frankenstein or or want to do something else too, um, for vaginal fantasy, we're reading Binti by Nettie Okorafor. Um, so that's something that's been on book lists uh, for sword and laser in the past. It didn't get yeah. voted in for whatever reason. It's very short, um, so it's a really good, good like quick read. Um, I downloaded the first and second book in that series. The third one is coming out uh, in 2018, uh, so it will be a trilogy. Uh, but they're yeah, they're they're very short. I think the the first one's only like. I want to say it's like 87 pages or something. Well, maybe maybe we, Sword and Laser, can wait until the third one's out. And could is it too much to do all three at once? I don't think so. Because they're so brief? I don't think so. Um, so all maybe right. that would be something interesting for March. Yeah, something to think about. Um, and then, oh, is it out in March? No, it's not. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know when it's coming out. I was, yeah, I, I missed up my mix, mixed up my timing on that one. Um, but then, what else am I reading? I'm reading the new... Um, the new Tad Williams, the new uh, Austinard uh, book, uh, which is uh, pretty good so far, but I'm really having a problem. And this is a problem I've had in the past, especially with the the new Robin Hobb books, mm. uh, like the Assassin's Apprentice books um, and the ones that came, came later, uh, remembering everything that happened in a series that I read when I was basically a small child. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I'm having a lot of trouble like putting characters together right now in, in that, but it's, it's still cool. Imagine to, what it was like for Tad. Yeah. He, he actually wrote about that on his, in his newsletter a bit. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably up on a blog's huh. blog post somewhere about his having to go back and really reacquaint himself with those characters and storylines. Um, so that, that's cool. But yeah, so there's, there's a lot going on, but, I hope you guys have a great holiday and a happy new year. And we will be back on the, looks like the seventh, I think. Well, okay. Uh, we, I was going to talk about this <laughs> well. after, after the show. Okay. Uh, because on third, the seventh is a Sunday. Um, That's right. I was looking at the next month. Oh, we'll be back on the third. On yeah, the third. No, yeah. Actually, there's no problem to talk about. I was going to talk about it, but there's nothing to talk about because we're back on the third. I'm at CES on the 10th, and then we're back on the 17th. Perfect. For normal. I'm so, yeah. driving back from Tahoe on the third. I imagine I will be back by the oh, by eight o'clock. So at the latest, the fourth or fifth. Yes. Folks. Just, yeah. Yeah. But we'll be back that week. We will be back on a regular schedule. So, so I we'll hope you guys have a happy new year. year. I know. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And I've been reading Contact by Carl Sagan because Veronica and I were invited on text message podcast special about Contact with the amazing Pamela Gay. Oh, so good. Uh, and that's coming out on Christmas. Christmas, on Christmas Day. So go to techpodcast.uk uh, and look for that when it comes out. Uh, and uh, we had a great time talking with Nate Langson and Ian Morris, who host that show, uh, about not only the book, but also the movie and then just representations of first contact in science fiction in general. We didn't get to talk about young Nate Langson and our first meeting of him. I try not to bring that I up know, anymore. I know, I know. I don't want to hold that He's over so his established head. in his awesome career yeah, now. It's need, like almost embarrassing. 
Yeah, and it makes me feel wicked old. So no, uh, but some other time. Uh, we didn't also talk about James S. A. Corey. That was the only thing that I I really regretted. What do you mean? We didn't, we didn't bring up uh, the Expanse, did we? And and the the alien contact in the Expanse. No, as, we did not. As a really good example of 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 a different take on it. We talked a lot about Arrival and Story yeah. of Your Life and Others. And we talked a lot Chang. about actual first contact and what we think yes. would happen and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So. And I got anyway. to talk about bots a bit. That was fun. It's always fun. Techpodcast.uk. Check that out on Christmas Day. And as you guys know, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Check out our new backer levels. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Maybe you got one of them fancy Amazon gift cards Woo-hoo. for a holiday gift. Well, head on over to swordandlaser.com slash picks and browse our virtual bookstore. Uh, a bunch of picks that we like, things we've mentioned on the show. It's all there at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And hey, if you want to leave us a holiday present, write us a review on iTunes. Let it's us know what you what think wanted. of the show. Yeah, that's how people find out about us. We need new listeners all the time. We got to grow. We got to build out the sword and laser empire, right? So write us a review on iTunes and get us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can write us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next year. Good. Bye and Happy New Year! Bye! This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!